as a pilot, we're the same as a founder or a CEO. We're the center point of the operation. We take in the information from you know, the ground crew, from the engineer, from air traffic control, from the passengers, from the flight attendants. And we are the ones that have to take all that information in and then process it and then make the best decision for the whole operation. Exactly the same as the CEO does. They take information from marketing, from finance, from all the different elements, and then they're the ones that have to make the decision. Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, episode 628. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton, and I'm so happy to have you here today. And I'm thrilled to introduce our guest, Nathan Seward. Before we even begin, listeners, you know I'm super transparent. I just made Nathan wait through a three to four minute tornado drill so that we could start this podcast recording. Positive productivity does not mean perfection, but it doesn't need to be painful either. Nathan is a personal coach and also a podcast host and does so much more than that. But Nathan, welcome. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you for your patience. And I would love if you would do yourself justice. That's so horrible as a podcast host, isn't it? And just let (laughs) listeners know more of who you, let me try that again, more about who you are. Sure. Kim, thank you for having me. It's such a, a pleasure to be with you. Uh, so I have this funny accent, so I'm from New Zealand, so about half of your listeners won't understand a word of what I'm saying, but uh, I'll try and speak slowly and clearly so I can, uh, be a little bit more understood. But, uh, yeah, I was born in New Zealand, uh, and, and had a, uh, amazing upbringing there. New Zealand's a beautiful country. And, uh, from, from a very young age, my, my mother was from Canada, from Montreal. So we traveled back and forth to Montreal from New Zealand all the time, right from when I was a baby. And it was back in the days, uh, before September 11, where the cockpit was always open. So when my parents would fall asleep, I would go grab the flight attendant and, and get dragged up into the cockpit. And I would spend hours in the, the cockpit talking to the pilots. And that kind of planted the seed for a, a, a lifetime of, aviation obsession so i took my first flight when i was 12 um, went solo when i was 16 left school when i was 17 became a flying instructor at 18 and did that for four years before uh joining the airlines as a pilot and uh flew all over the world flew for four different airlines ended up flying in uh, tokyo and japan my last job for four years and flew all over asia and just had a very successful incredibly fulfilling career as a pilot uh and you know really a boyhood dream and behind all of that uh throughout that career as much as i loved it and i was fulfilling on a dream and and you know going after it with everything i had there was a a part of me that was very interested in entrepreneurship had the entrepreneurial bug and it didn't matter what i did i I couldn't shake it so i had a lot of side businesses my brother and I started a, a fish and chip shop when when I was 23. We ran that for a couple of years uh, before selling it and had some online businesses. And I got to a point, which I think a, a lot of your listeners might resonate with, where I was in my career, I was 30, and I was feeling really unfulfilled. And my career had kind of served its purpose. Now, I could have looked at it at that point and go, wow, I'm earning the most money I've ever earned. Uh, I have an amazing job. I work with great people. And just justified that that feeling of 
uh, unfulfillment, but I chose to to follow it and follow my heart. And so uh, I got into the coaching business because that was something that ticked all of the boxes for me. It was something that would allow me to travel the world. Uh, it had unlimited income potential, and it was something that was really giving back and helping people, which was really important to me. So in 2017, after building up my coaching practice alongside my flying career, I chose to leave my flying career behind with a lot of gratitude. And Do you get spend... lifetime travel miles at least? No, I wish. I wish. I think that's reserved for retirees that actually <laughs> do a full career, not not people that tap out halfway through. <laughs> but, uh, hey, yeah, I, I just the... had to ask. No problem. Yeah, so I spent two years fully nomadic, uh, sold everything I had, and just uh, traveled the world, lived in a ton of different countries, Costa Rica, Germany, uh, Namibia, and grew my coaching business as I, I traveled. And where you find me now is I've been based in New York for the last six months where I'm trying to set up my life here to be uh, you know, making an impact and growing my business in this community. So Nathan, what? Maybe one out of every 10 episodes is date stamped, but I can't help to feel the, I don't know if ironic is the right word, but I'm from New York. I moved out to Ohio from Westchester County. I was working in New York City on 9-11. We are recording on 9-11. Were you, were you done flying by the actual 9-11? Or were you Uh, still flying? I was at school. I was okay. at school, so I was seventeen when nine eleven happened. Okay. Uh, so Gee, I just yeah. got aged. <laughs> <laughs> well, I yeah, it was it was a big moment because it, it changed aviation forever. And it's ten fifteen in the morning here, so we're we're exactly at the time. I know all mm-hmm. the memorials started at eight forty five this morning. I'm sure are still going on down at the ground zero there. I but, just got uh, goosebumps. I mean, I was I was working a half block from the UN. Um, right. on the day but the reason oh, why big you know, you. yeah I mean, you're a podcast host or you have your show now and you are international coach and i this is not listeners please don't think i'm shallow for this comparison but as a as a pilot you know there was always that little danger there you know what if but even when we start to build our personal brand as we get more well known we're going to have haters and and I've shared with my community a couple times now. I've had death threats twice in the last year. Wow! But I'm not giving up what Scared. I do because I love what I do. So, hater, if you're listening, I'm not giving up. Um, <laughs> I love what I do. I love impacting lives. What what makes you most excited about what you do? You know, when I was flying, I it was a very selfish job in a way. It was something that I did for me that I enjoyed and I got a lot out of. But I never felt that deeper sense that I was uh, contributing to something bigger or helping people in a really meaningful way. And now for the last few years, I spend all of my time contributing to people. My podcast serves a lot of people. I work one-on-one group programs to, to help people improve their lives. So... For me, I love that moment when I get into bed at night and I go, wow, my life really made a difference today. Mm. Like the, the fact that I was here today made a difference for people's lives. And, you know, I often think, wow, like somebody's listening to my podcast right now. <laughs> you know, that's that's odd that somewhere in the world somebody's listening to my podcast and hopefully it's it's helping them shift in perspective or inspire them in some way. So 
that's the feeling that I love is like, wow, I genuinely make a difference. Mm. And that feels really good. I love that. I remember, so my show launched in October of 2016. And I remember that first month, I think I had, and it was even a daily show back then. I think I had 600 downloads in a whole month. Yeah. And, and I was so excited. And I'm not saying that I'm not still so excited, but it's just amazing to see the growth. I mean, when you fly past what you got your first month and in a daily, you know, in a daily download, even on the days when there's no show release. Listeners, if this is your first episode a year ago, I realized that just because I can do everything doesn't mean I should. My awesome podcast production manager said, you know, maybe we should cut back. And I think she was waiting for for uh, me to resist her, like say, no, we're staying with a daily show. But she suggested doing three shows a week. And I said, how about two? <laughs> and <laughs> I think we both sang, oh, hallelujah, <laughs> you know, just qu- quality over quantity. Some Doing too much is sometimes not doing enough. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I, I think you end up, you know, there's been times when uh, in my coaching career where I've just had so many clients and I've just, I kind of forgot who I was. I was just going from call to call to call. And I think, you know, if I'm being honest, like not, not doing my best work when I'm in that state, you know, when it's, you've got so much going on that you forgot why you even started doing it. And so just like you said, having quality over quantity, having that space, having that time to sit back, reflect, have time to yourself, make sure that you're living Mm-hmm. Uh, living the life that you want to live. I often say to my clients, my first commitment to you is that I live an extraordinary life. Oh, I because love of, that. Because if I'm not doing that, there's no chance that I'm going to be able to support you in doing it. So that's my number one commitment to you, that I put myself first and live an extraordinary life. And so that's something that I've failed at over and over and over again because I get too bogged down by business or I get too sucked into the laptop lifestyle. Um and so I have to pause and, and go, hang on, what am I actually trying to do here? Am I just trying to build my business and get, you know, oh, I did 200,000, now I want to do 400,000. You know, am I just trying to grow it for growth's sake or is this truly part of my extraordinary life? So mm-hmm. I have to reflect on that often because I, I fall into that trap. I just heard, and, and I say this in a, in a good way. I just heard the car horn behind you and I'm, <laughs> yeah, and it's I, unavoidable in you. Yeah, no kidding. It, I mean, it was, I never knew that silence could be deafening until I moved from my apartment there to my apartment here in Ohio. The first night laying in bed, not hearing the bus go down the road and set off as many car alarms (laughs) as it possibly could. I was like, where? I first, when I first arrived here, I, 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 got into bed and my my room is on the second floor. I'm on ninth Avenue, which is a pretty busy street through New York. And there was a lot like, uh, fire trucks and police cars like every 10 minutes all day and all through the night and then there was trucks coming and parking outside the the window at two in the morning and i rang the the rental agency the next day and i said hey i think there's a problem with the apartment it's so noisy like is there a problem with the windows i i couldn't sleep last night there was so much noise and the guy just laughed at me and said look welcome to new york it's the same in every apartment you're just gonna have to get earplugs or get used to it but i thought there was something wrong (laughs) <laughs> that's that's hilarious i love it yeah i i didn't realize how much i had gotten used to the to the noise until coming here yeah 
I mean, I'm not sure if it's a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah, I don't neutral. Well, the the crazy thing is that my first my firstborn, who's now sixteen, he he uh, experienced hearing loss because of too many ear infections. In one mm. year, he's he's ninety uh, percent deaf in one year, oh, wow. and. For a, before that happened, every single time the bus went down the road and set off the car alarms, you know, he's newborn screaming, you know, I just put him to sleep. Yeah. Are you kidding me? He's awake again. Going to come out and wring your neck. And and now and then he experienced that. And I was like, what's going on? You know, he is sleeping through this bus. And then we then we found out and I was like, OK, this is so horrible. I should not even be admitting this. I was like, there's the benefit, you know, just, you know, now he sleeps. Yeah. Not that I would wish that upon him. I mean, he, he's one of my, uh, one of my best friends, he, that they, they travel a lot, him and his wife. And so their little baby, what he does is he gets, uh, goes onto YouTube and finds a jet engine noise, just a, a mild jet engine noise and just plays that to the baby while the baby's going to sleep. So there's a jet engine in the background. And then, the baby is now used to that sound of an aeroplane engine. And so every time they get on a plane to go traveling, as soon as the baby hears the, the engines or the, the aeroplane, it just falls asleep straight oh, away. Cool. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and wow. I thought that was so innovative. Okay, so you can plead the fifth on this question. Sure. But I've always been curious. You're in the cockpit, the door's closed. What do you, like, do you have to be sitting there staring at the dashboard or whatever it's called? What What is it called? The flight panel? I don't even know what it's called. Or yeah, is it like, or does the flight, or does the plane fly itself? I mean, could, were you working on, like, personal development, professional development while you were flying? And, again, you can plead the fifth. Uh, no, I think it's a, it's a great question, and I think it's one that a lot of people... Uh, wonder about because it's such a mysterious environment again particularly with the the advent of security doors and closed cockpits a very secretive mysterious environment and and there's plenty look, of jokes behind that too i'm oh, sure you've man. heard them it's, all the, <laughs> of course it's a it, you know it's a workplace like any other workplace so it's not uh you know oftentimes people hear that in surgery the surgeon is playing music and you know the nurse is telling jokes and they find that kind of um you know, disturbing a little bit for some reason. And it's the same thing in the flight deck. We, we have so much fun up there a lot of the times, depending who you're with, but like, like any workplace. But generally, we have a lot of fun. We have a lot of laughs, you know, while we're, while we're doing the job. And you have to remember, for most of us, we've been doing it for a long time. So the job is very repetitive. And, and that's the the intention of procedures and, and uh, modern airline flying is to have everything be as repetitive as possible so that you can do it by memory and you notice very obviously when something is sticking out that's not that's not working uh, or, or is not right. And so, yeah, we, we have a lot of fun in there. It's very professional and it's something we do every day. So we don't have the same uh, – it's not overwhelming to us like it would be for a passenger, say, coming in to see it for the first time. It's very normal for us. And then when we're flying uh, – is a, this misconception about the plane flying itself. So obviously we, we rely heavily on automation and the automation generally does a much better job than a pilot does. So we, we use the automation as much as possible, but the pilot is still flying the automation. <laughs> so instead of just flying the airplane with our hands on the controls, like we're, we're driving a car, we're putting all of the inputs into the computer and telling the computer what we want the airplane to do. It so, sounds like how I run my business. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's a lot like that. 
so it's garbage in garbage out the same as the way you run your business uh-huh. you have to be you have to be big, ahead of the airplane putting the right stuff in and so i think you're not flying it exactly so that is true the plane is doing a lot of the the grunt work but we we're much more in a monitoring role and an input role and just keeping an eye on everything so you're still very active your mind's very active but it's not a physical you know manhandling of the airplane that is so i mean there's such a great parallel there though between being a pilot and being a ceo of our business rather than working in it yeah. Can I touch on this for a bit? Yes, please. Yeah, this is a this is a big thing for me. So, and I'm sure you've come up against it, and all my clients come up against it at some point. But imposter syndrome is a, a huge thing for a new entrepreneur. For and it comes up in the strangest of places. For me, I, I, you know, there's not many pilots that want to become life coaches. That's kind of a weird tilt to go on. And so, for a long time, I was I was paranoid that someone would say to me hey why is a pilot qualified to tell me how to live my life and so i would be very insecure and that would give me a lot of imposter syndrome until one day i just sat down and went well it's a good question why is that true and because i work for a lot of entrepreneurs i realized look as a pilot we're the same as a founder or a ceo we're the center point of the operation we take in the information from you know, the ground crew, from the engineer, from air traffic control, from the passengers, from the flight attendants. And we are the ones that have to take all that information in and then process it and then make the best decision for the whole operation. Exactly the same as the CEO does. They take information from marketing, from finance, from all the different elements, and then they're the ones that have to make the decision. This is the first commonality. There's a lot of responsibility. The second thing is a good pilot is like a good CEO in that they – as a pilot, we don't have a choice to not make a decision. Mm. When you're flying and the airplane's going 400 miles an hour, you can't delay making decisions. So we're trained right from day one, hey, it doesn't matter what you do, make a decision. You can always change it down the track, but you must make a decision. The worst thing you can do is do nothing. And the best CEOs and the best entrepreneurs I work with are the ones that are not into uh, analysis paralysis. They make decisions quickly, and if it doesn't work, they own it, and then they change direction. And they make a decision, they own it, they change direction. So that's very similar. Oh, and then, I love yeah, that. the third thing is just the, the responsibility. You know, it's sometimes I find business much scarier than flying airplanes, even though I have no lives in my hands. But just having the responsibility, that, that heightened level of being responsible for people's jobs, for being responsible for your customer, for being responsible for handling, you know, maybe more money than you've ever handled in your life. Uh, it's the same type of feeling as having the responsibility of flying an airplane. So those are the three parallels I learned. I absolutely love that. And I, I want to go back to what you were saying earlier about taking too much on. And that was, I was guilty of that for probably three years in my business saying yes to everybody. I mean, I can see it as being until the you had kids and no, I had to I, make a choice. So I had two kids when I started my business in 2012, my husband and I got married in 2010. We both already had two. My husband never wanted to get remarried and he never wanted kids. And then all of a sudden he says, I want a baby of our own and I want to get married. So we had one more and then we decided to make it official that we were done. And when I went to do that, the doctor said, oh, you might want to wait nine months. You're pregnant with twins. So they were born 16 months after our now six-year-old. So combined, yes, if this is your first episode, we have a combined total of seven children in our in our family. Amazing. And anyway, um, so... 
that's a dream of mine, by the way. I would love to have that. You can come out people... here and be uncle to my kids <laughs> anytime you want. Thank you. Anytime. Um, so I was saying yes to way too much, but I was also the meat, the primary breadwinner because the reason I even started the business was because my husband started college to be a video game designer, which he's since graduated from and he's designing his own games. But, um, so I, I was saying yes to everything because I needed to keep the family afloat, but it didn't occur to me that I could say yes to only the best and no to everything else. And is that kind of a scarcity mindset? Oh, it absolutely was. And the things that I was saying yes to, I mean, not only were they not aligned with me, but they weren't paying enough. So I had to just keep on saying yes to more. And like, I, I think about if you, if you take on too much luggage, you're going to get slowed down and it could impact the flight drastically. I don't know how that all works. In that episode yesterday, I admitted I'm not a doctor. Uh, physics wasn't my thing either. Anything science, <laughs> just keep me out of it. Automation, fine. Science, no. But no, you can't take on more luggage than is safe. And I was doing that in my business. Yeah, I mean, the heavier the aeroplane is, the more fuel that you need to burn to, to keep it flying. You know, the more energy it takes when you're carrying around all that baggage. Everything just drains you. Mm -hmm. I was actually thinking when you were talking about taking care of yourself first. If I were in New York City, I was trying to figure out if I would be fatter than I am or a lot skinnier <laughs> than I am. Because being classic, in a, classic it, conversation with yourself. <laughs> yes, well, because here in Ohio... It's very much a drive your car everywhere. Even there's right. Do you oh, know? Man, I walk everywhere. Yeah. Oh, I know. I missed that when I was living in Westchester County and commuting up to Greenwich every day. So I had two hours of commute, but it was bus, train, bus, walk, bus. You know, just a lot. I lost fifty pounds in three months with all that walking. Wow. But here, I think I gained fifty pounds in the first three months of living here. Drive 60 miles both ways. People dropping off food. Wendy's is right next door. Mm. <laughs> like literally walk across the parking lot to Wendy's, walk back, eat at your desk. So, but here, did you know that in Ohio there are even drive throughs that you drive through and you pick up your beer? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> you just never have, to, never have to be on your feet. You don't. No, I mean... Wow. You need milk. I, well, I've never gone through the drive-thru for milk, but I'm sure it's possible. We can go to the grocery store, order our groceries online, and, you know, go through the drive-thru at the grocery to pick up our groceries. Like, they come out, they put it into the trunk. Or, I mean, I'm sure this is in New York now, too. It wasn't when I was there, but just have the groceries deliver at, delivered at home. You yeah, know? that is free now, actually. They have the, the Whole Foods delivers free within two hours. Free? Phenomenal. Yeah. That is amazing. Okay, ours is not yet free, but you know you can pay the annual subscription. But it's yeah. an incredible business opportunity, actually. Like that's if you're someone that you know needs quick income or you're starting your side business, especially in New York. I don't know about anywhere else, but there's people walking around everywhere doing Amazon deliveries and doing Whole Foods deliveries. It's a huge little side business now, and I think they're finding so hard to find people to do that that they're actually paying pretty high rates to get people to do these deliveries yeah actually here in ohio so the same person that does our instacart deliveries also does our doordash mm. yeah, they're just exactly. not finding enough people so 
I mean, there's those days that we have to sort of monitor. Okay, I am addicted to Chipotle, just putting it out there. And, you know, if nobody claims the order within an hour, I mean, that's a long time, especially when you've got five hungry, grumpy mm. kids waiting for food. Then, you know, okay, there's nobody There's nobody in the area. There's right no one now. around. Yeah. And what's, your, uh, what's your go-to at Chipotle? Double rice, double steak, guacamole, fajita veggies. How about you? Yeah, not too different. I, I, I like the chicken, and then occasionally I'll go the barbacoa or the pulled pork. And, I, I yeah, I always go the guacamole on top. Yeah. So, so I moved out here to Ohio to design schools. So I was an interior architect in oh, New York right. and in Greenwich, Connecticut, and I got hired out here, and we thought it would be better for, for our son and being closer to family and such because my, my – ex-in-laws lived out here but i lost my job when the recession tanked in 2008 right and chipotle was my first job after i got rehired but i was kicked off the line because my burritos would not stick together (laughs) (laughs) i measure that's an essential part of the the process oh it absolutely is i can make burritos at home now and the kids love it but i was kicked off the line and did the cash register and i had so many interesting conversations i mean people would just and I had to do table touches. And I think a lot of what I did at Chipotle actually led me into what I do today. Just the the need to be to interact. I despite being a podcast host, I'm an introvert. Are you an introvert or an extrovert, Nathan? Or a mix uh, of both? I think I, I often I I resonate with being an introvert and okay. I'm I'm careful not to use it as a crutch. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I am an introvert, but I you know, I had to learn how to be more personable. It's not that I'm unfriendly, but I would often just keep my mouth shut out of also mm. comparison and imposter syndrome. Like, what if I say the wrong thing? You know, so I just want to talk. But it became part of my job to go and do table touches and see how everybody was doing. And on this one day, I had, I, you never know who's going to be at the table. And this guy and his friend look up at me and they said, can we pray for you? I was like, because uh, uh, I had to go do other tables. And he just gets on the floor onto his knees and so does his friend, and they look up at me, and they just start praying to God for me. And I was like, wow. that's wow. intense. Yes. That wouldn't work in New York, I don't think. But <laughs> here in Ohio. <laughs> or in New Zealand, I don't think. I think people would scream if you did that. Yeah, but I just turned around <laughs> and looked at my manager, and I just sort of shrugged. Because it, um, at that point, I, I have since gone on my own spiritual and religious journey and have found my faith. But at that point, it was not part of my journey. And I looked at the mm. manager and I said, shrug. And he's like, he gives me like, he puts his hand up and he's like, just stay there. You're doing a good job on this table touch. <laughs> he's like, we'll work on your burrito folding later. Yep, exactly. Exactly. Hey there, my friend. I hope you're enjoying this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. I wanted to take a quick moment to invite you to join the Work Smarter, Not Harder Challenge. Over the course of 30 days, these free, yes, free short videos will teach you a few of the systems and strategies I set up in my business so I can get away from my computer and back to the people I love. I invite you to sign up now at worksmarternotharderchallenge.com. Again, you can sign up at worksmarternotharderchallenge.com. So what was the most... um? scary situation that you had as a pilot and what's been the most interesting or scary situation that you've had as a business owner? That's a good, good question. I, 
I didn't I, I didn't find flying scary to be honest. I you know I think it's again it's part of what we're we're trained to handle when it goes wrong, and that's where we kind of step up. I think so. Anytime there's been those issues when I was flying, I really you just kind of embrace it and get in the zone. I mean, weather is always a big one. There's, you know, severe turbulence or landing in typhoons or fog or that kind of thing. You're always, you always have a heightened sense of um, alertness, I would say, around those situations. But uh, yeah, not, nothing really scary. I can't say that I was scared very often. Uh, but in business, I'm scared every day <laughs> because it's it constantly calls me to to grow bigger. Like I said, I uh, I, uh, I run into imposter syndrome a lot. Uh, so, and each time, you know, my business is five years old, I think, approximately. And at least every year, I up the ante a little bit, either uh, going for a, a higher caliber of client or doubling my rates or something like that. And every time I do that, I think, wow, I bet this is where my business is going to fail. I bet this is when I've pushed it too far, I've got too big for my boots, and this is where I'm going to lose it. And, you know, for a time, every time I level up, my business does fall away because you're getting out of the comfortable and the familiar, and there's a wee period of reshuffling. I'm in one of those at the moment. And, man, I mean, that's really testing on the nerves. And if you can survive through that and you can get over the fact that let, let me just talk about myself. What I had to get over was my business is not my self-worth. Mm. The money that I generate from my business has nothing to do with my value as a human. I'm a beautiful, loving, caring human with or without a business. <laughs> and then a business also has to grow and it has to have money. That's the lifeblood of a business. So those are, those are all important things. But how well that's going is not a reflection of who I am at the core of who I am as a human. So I had to really separate myself from that uh, because that was causing so much fear and so much discomfort and it really sucked the joy out of what should be a really exciting business. And so those are the things that scare me. Does that make sense? Did I, I oh, it absolutely well? makes sense. Cool. I had to get over the fear that my clients would fire me if I didn't respond immediately to texts and emails. Mm. And last night I saw a message <laughs> come in at about 8.30 um, at night. And full disclosure, I saw that message come in. But I just put my phone down and was like, I will respond to this in the morning. Because I realized that I was training my clients to expect immediate turnaround. And this has been yeah. the journey of 2019. So if it's not an emergency, I know it can wait till Monday. And then what I also realized is that they aren't necessarily expecting a response on the weekend. When I started getting responses like, why are you working this late? <laughs> I realized, <laughs> yeah. So I started using like the scheduling option within Google or I just need to say this because I've never shared it on or because it's only been a week since I've been using it. But I started using Boomerang in my Gmail. Have you heard of Boomerang? Oh, I don't use Gmail. Tell me. Okay, well, so I, I switched over from Outlook to Gmail about three years ago, but I just got introduced to Boomerang last week. And what it will do is if if you don't want that to respond that email right now, I, I love an empty inbox. I actually have my dream home as my background in Gmail, in Gmail so I can see it and remind myself, you know, that's what I'm going for here. 
But if I know I don't need to respond right now, Boomerang will take it out, put it in, a, in another box, and Boomerang it back around to my inbox at a set time that I tell it to. Oh, I love that. Which I love, yeah. And then if somebody doesn't respond, like if a, if my designer doesn't respond to a question, I can tell Boomerang, put it back in my box in two days if there's no reply. And just in the past week that I've been using it, oh my gosh, it's helped me to get through so many more emails because it's taking all the clutter out and mm. allowing me to see only what I wanted to see. And then the other thing is, I just got, have you read any Brene Brown? Yeah, I love Brene. I'm only reading my first one right now. I'm almost done with Dare to Lead. But she really struck me last week when I was reading a section on braving. And it's an, I mean, it's, she's talking about being brave, but she is an acronym. And braving stands for boundaries, reliability, accountability, vault, integrity, non-judgment, and generosity. And I have to say, I have struggled with every single one of those <laughs> in the you last seven years. Yes. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's so right. I must be human. But, you know, there's, and I never realized until this last year that integrity doesn't just affect how I interact with other people and how I treat with other, other people, but also myself. And I, and I, based on our conversation so far, it sounds like you are in touch with personal integrity as well. You have to treat yourself well and do what you tell yourself you're going to do before you can commit to your clients or anybody else. Yeah. And I only got to that by doing it wrong so mm -hmm. many times. I mean, I, I read the books. So I got told this. I'm a coach for goodness sake. I should know all this stuff, right? There's a difference between knowing and embodying. And so I had to bankrupt my energy. I had to bankrupt my bank account. You know, I had to push myself too hard over and over again, but to, to teach myself the lesson until I really got to the point going, what am I trying to achieve here? You know, I, I, it doesn't matter how successful I am. I, I don't feel any joy because I'm so reeked with, uh, uh, you know, the fear of not being good enough or, uh, not being smart enough or not being a good enough entrepreneur. I don't know all of these things. And so is that worth it? What, what's the point in even doing all of this if I can't enjoy it? So I went down a really deep path of, exploring self-love and self-compassion and self-worth and learning that I I had to learn to love myself right now, not in six months' time when I got a six-figure client or on my next vacant, not, not constantly escaping into a vision of the future that seemed mm -hmm. more exciting than right now. Oh, I absolutely love that. And pardon me for sharing this because it's about to get a little TMI, but um, I shared with you in our pre-chat, next week I'm going to the fifth New Media Summit. Well, I've been involved in all five, and I've seen such a journey between them. The first one, I was totally out of my element. But I was going there not as myself, but as the person I thought everybody else expected me to be. So the TMI comes in that I bought clothes, like all these new clothes. I bought new underwear. Nobody was going to see my underwear. Nobody was going to see my bra. But I'm walking around in new shoes that are killing my feet that nobody cares about. I just thought I needed new shoes that looked nice. I didn't think about the fact that they're going to kill my feet and I'm going to do a lot of walking. And a bra that is just absolutely ripping my boobs apart and a haircut that I would have never done. And now 
I'm looking, I'm getting, I'm starting to put aside clothes and I just keep on looking at my most comfy pair of flip-flops. I'm like, yep, you're what I'm taking. And, and can you sense or can you see how that, that all comes from a place of, and the answering the messages, it comes from a place of not feeling good enough. And if I, if I just wear the right clothes or if I just say the right thing or if I'm there for my clients 24-7 whenever I need me, then I might be or hopefully that I'll be good enough for them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was convinced that if I wore the right stuff and looked the right way that I would get the big deal, you know, or yeah. or I would be seen as the big podcaster. But what I realized is that by not relying on my clothes, by being myself, by letting my personality shine through, that's what's been more successful than anything else. And you have this, you know, this beautiful, uh, soft nature about you, know, very warm and very, you know, I can see why you're so successful, especially as a podcaster, because you create such a warm, connected atmosphere just in your way of being. So, and I can't see you, I can't see what you're wearing, I, I don't know anything about your business but just when i sit here with you and and hear you share yourself and just be with me i can just tell that you're a beautiful human that i want to be around oh thank you and you as well i just need to get thank the you. mystery out of the question for anybody who's wondering i am wearing a turquoise bathrobe because i'm <laughs> freezing cold even though it is 91 degrees outside Yes. You can still have a huge impact in yeah. a bathrobe. In a bathrobe. Absolutely. I don't care if you wear yoga pants or a suit every day. You can still have a major impact. Yes. And oh, a bathrobe and yoga pants. I'll just add that in. I am not pantsless. <laughs> <laughs> what are you most excited about in the next 90 days? Oh, the next 90 days. So uh, it kind of takes us through to Christmas, doesn't it? So you know, I'm I'm only new to New York and this period for me, and I think you'll resonate with this, but New York really tries to beat you down <laughs> in lots of different ways, uh, whether it's trying to find an apartment or whether it's just having enough money to survive day to day or meeting new people or the, it's, everything feels like a challenge here. And so the next three months for me, I'm I'm going to try and find a new place. I'm going to establish my business here. I'm going to, uh, you know, find a, a few more clients here. So, as as much as it feels challenging, and I know it's going to force me to grow in lots of different ways, I'm super excited to, you know, think. Oh, in January, you know, looking back, like where am I going to be? This is going to be such a transformative period, and I'm just really excited to see where it takes me. I'm super open to to where it takes me. I absolutely love that. And it doesn't matter if you're in New York or Ohio, we all face the same struggles and and have the same points of reflection. I mean, there's been points in our business and to you listeners who have heard this before. I mean, we hit those financial times in the business and I say we because the whole family was impacted where there was sure. our, our water was shut off for a day. It was back on mm -hmm. the same day, but the money just wasn't there. I've learned that when you keep the positive outlook, the good stuff does happen. The good, you know, what you're looking for will happen. And I don't mean to be naive. There are times when, oh, you're just totally blindsided and you feel like you've been hit by a mega two by four, or I guess in New York, it would be like a steel beam. And you're just like, what the heck just happened? I did not see that coming. But, um, like we look back now and on that day it snowed and we just laugh. You know, I know that's going to be a story that we're laughing about and 
my someday kids-in-law will, are going to be like, are you serious? That happened? How are you laughing about that? But we can, <laughs> you know, we can. Yeah, I, you know, I've run out of money a couple of times so far. And it's, it's really hard for me to admit that to you because I want you to think that I'm a great entrepreneur that's never had a bad day in my life. But uh, yeah, I've run the bank account dry. You know, I've had my phone shut off and not knowing what I was going to eat. And, you know, for, for the old version of me, the, the pilot version of me was very egoic. It was a very egoic job. And it was, you know, I got paid a lot of money and I never thought about money. Uh, and then so to be in business, the idea of running out of money, to my ego, that felt like death. That felt like the worst possible scenario that could ever happen. You left this amazing career where you never thought about money and you've run out of money. This is the ultimate disaster and the ultimate disgrace. Mm-hmm. And I felt all of that. I had to go through that. And with the right support of my coaches and and lots of meditation and feeling into that, that was one of the greatest periods and one of the greatest lessons I ever learned because I learned a couple of things. I learned that when I have no money, I'm still, I still wake up in the morning. Mm-hmm. I still have my health. I still have a ton of people that love me. I still breathe. So I was amazed that when I ran out of money, although my ego and my mind was telling me that we were going to die in that scenario, I didn't die. I woke up and I was, in a way, I was freer than ever. You got to pick what flavor of ramen you wanted. Exactly. It's it's amazing. My my uh, dry cleaning, you know, I couldn't afford to get my dry cleaning from the dry cleaners. It sounds like a first world problem. Uh, but I had to wear the same clothes for a couple of weeks because I couldn't afford to get my clothes out of the dry cleaners. And when I got my clothes back and I got to put on fresh underwear for the first time in three weeks, I have never appreciated underwear in my entire life. <laughs> I love that. Until that moment, I was like, this is the greater, the gratitude I felt for, like you say, oh, I can have the, I can have this spice on my ramen, my $2 ramen instead of this one. This feels amazing. So there's one thing I say to a lot of my clients, they'll, they'll say, how do, Nathan, how do I have a gratitude practice? What gratitude practice do you use? And I say, forget about the gratitude practice. It's, it has a mild uh, influence, but here's what you want to do. Put yourself in a situation that has gratitude be the natural outcome, right? So, uh, you know, if you go and spend time at a soup kitchen or you go and spend a night on the streets with homeless people, you won't need a gratitude practice. (laughs) It it will be given to you. You, You'll be overwhelmed. And so, yeah, when I, you know, when I had no money, the, the weeks when I started to get when I made $20 and I could go and, you know, I buy myself a cookie from the coffee shop because I was desperate to have a cookie and it was the best cookie I've ever tasted because, you know, I, just those little things that forced me to be grateful. Now, I never forget that. I never forget that with every dollar I make and every opportunity I have, I go, wow, I know what it's like to have nothing. I'm never going to take this for granted again. So full disclosure, along with the water and over the last seven years. And thankfully it's been a year since we had to do this. Yes. Listeners, even during this podcast, this has had to happen, but I had, um, my husband had has PTSD and that can affect my ability to work. And Mm. last year, 2018, the Friday before Christmas, I had to go to the food pantry 
And in that moment, I actually broke down, not out of of embarrassment, but because I looked around and I actually felt bad that I was taking food from other people. Mm. Because I still, you know, even though we were down to absolutely nothing, I still felt so blessed for everything I did have that I felt bad taking food out of other people's hands. But when you've got like 10 cents in the bank, you can't feed a family of seven. Mm. Right? So that was my only option right then. And it was very humbling. But in that moment, I still felt so grateful. And I want you to know if that's what it, if that's what it takes, you don't need to be embarrassed. Like you have, and I'm, I'm not talking to you, Nathan, but I, I could be, I don't know. I'm not asking, but for, for you who is listening and I wish I knew your name because I would call you right now, but it's okay. It's okay. You can ask for help without being embarrassed. And if you need to email me, if you need to, I'm volunteering you, Nathan, because you've been sure. in this situation. If you need to email Nathan, for that nudge and that virtual hug, please do it. Because the last thing that I would want to see is you be so desperate. And unfortunately, I have had a personal experience with somebody who did this, that you don't see any option, any route to take, but the worst possible option available. And that is not an option to me. I'm just going to say it like that. And I'm, For those of you who may be listening to kids, I'm not going to say what I'm talking about. Um, but it's not an option. Mm. It's not. Yeah. Thank you for saying that, Kim. It's, that's, this is a really important conversation. And again, I'll reiterate, just because your business is struggling, it doesn't mean that you are a failure or that you are a bad person. Business is so tough. Actually, life is really tough. Uh, and because we see on Instagram, everybody smiling and on the beach and happy we think gosh we must be the only one that's struggling but everybody's struggling life's very tough but you know I, I love what you said about the food pantry because when you're there you realize oh i may have no money and I, I have to come here but gosh i'm still going home to a a roof over my head to a loving husband and to seven healthy beautiful children you know i'm i'm richer than anybody mm-hmm. so i think having no money can tend to cloud everything we can tend to become obsessive over that and and forget just how many blessings we have in our life uh and talking to myself or someone like kim or even you know someone that you trust can just help you remind you of that that this is just a temporary blip there is hope it does get better it will get better absolutely nathan i'd love to invite you back for a part two Oh, I would love that. Thank you, Kim. Yeah, let's do a part two. But in the meantime, where can listeners find you online? And I feel like that was random, but I want to make sure that we we pick up part two or part one. Let's off. Let's off. You know what I'm trying to say. Where yeah, can, totally. In the meantime, where can the listeners find you online, connect, and get to know more about you? So I'm super easy to find. There's not many Nathan Seawards around, so you can Google me. Uh, you'll find my podcast everywhere, iTunes, Spotify. It's called The Nathan Seawood Show. Uh, I post all my daily adventures on Instagram if you want to check out that. I record my podcast live on Facebook every Monday if you want to come and join and ask questions. And yeah, if you're the type of person that is uh, successful even in your career or your business, but you're still feeling unfulfilled or bored or like there's something missing, that's 
where I've been and I've learned a ton of lessons about that. I'm not perfect, but I'm a few steps ahead in the process and that. So if you want to have a chat about that and see what might be some ways forward from that point, I would love to chat with you. So you can go to NathanSeward.com or just email me Nathan at NathanSeward.com. Fabulous. Listeners, if you're driving, try not to burn dinner, don't want to follow up the elliptical, <laughs> go to Kim Sutton, the Kim Sutton. Excuse me, let me try that one more time. Go to thekimsutton.com forward slash PP628 and you will find all the links, the show notes, anything that we've talked about right there. Nathan, this has been amazing. I look forward to part two. Do you have a parting piece of advice or golden nugget that you can share with listeners? Yeah, I always encourage people for a first place to start, no matter where you are right now, uh, whether you're super self-aware or whether you're just coming into the personal development the first place to start is to be really honest with yourself and uh, that doesn't mean splaying your vulnerabilities all over facebook or telling everybody what's going on but just start journaling and start being really honest uh, about where you're at in your life and in your job or your business and that can sometimes be the hardest thing because we fear all the ramifications that may come from admitting some things about ourselves or our lives. But without having any pressure of having to do anything about it, one of the most powerful things is just to admit yourself that, admit to yourself that, oh, I'm not, I'm not happy in my relationship. Uh, this job is not as fulfilling as I thought it would be, even though I've spent all this money at college and my parents have supported me and it's not what I thought it was going to be. Don't don't be scared, but the first step is just, even just today or even just in this moment, just allow yourself to be really honest about where you're at. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level. Mm -hmm.